the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to this 820 AM The Word broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city. This is Chuck Olmstead, the Director of Local Ministry Development for 820 AM The Word. My special guest today is Aaron Thompson. Aaron is the Senior Pastor of Marysville Foursquare Church. Aaron, welcome to Heart of the City. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, you and I have had a chance to chat a little bit before, and uh, our paths have crossed somewhat. Your father, Steve, was my pastor for a while up here at Marysville Foursquare, and uh, you know a lot of our common friends. So mm-hmm. Your daughter was in my youth group for a time. <laughs> That's right. That's right. April. And uh, now April is a a mother and a grandmother. Wow, so wow. <laughs> so that's uh that's how that all works as far as growing up, isn't it? Crazy. So, yeah. So uh so you were a PK, a preacher's kid, but uh uh, tell me about uh, a little bit of the history of your life as far as growing up in this area. Oh, sorry. I wasn't, I didn't grow up a preacher's kid. My dad uh, became a pastor when I was about 16. So he played for the Jets, the New York Jets, when I was a little kid. And then uh, when I was, I think, five or six, he retired and then went into business. So for about most of my childhood, from six to 16, he was in the business world. And and but it was very also involved in the church world. I grew up in a, a four square church in Eugene, Oregon during the Jesus movement in the seventies and early eighties, thriving and of course all the, the hippies coming in in the seventies and so I I went to a uh, a Christian preschool that was in a commune down in, in Southern Oregon with, uh, you know, barefoot hippies and peacocks roaming the grounds. And, um, and, uh, so that was sort of my, and then I went to public school through the, through, uh, my, my childhood years, but grew up at, uh, faith center in Eugene. I, I got saved when I was seven years old, a puppet was giving the altar call in Sunday school and I prayed and and I very clearly remember on the way home from church, sitting in the back of the car, this sense of peace, the sense of the presence of the Lord with me that I was not alone. I'll, I'll never forget that feeling. It was it was that that sense that I knew I was loved and I wasn't alone. And that was my my first real memory. I think that was my salvation moment as a child. So led to the Lord by a puppet. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess it's you know the Lord can use uh, can use anything. Uh, really? Yeah. And, <laughs> no kidding. So Eugene, Oregon. I'm trying to remember the pastor would have been. It was Roy Hicks. Roy Jr. Hicks. Yeah. Roy Hicks Jr. And uh, who was very influential in Foursquare. Roy used to come to our summer camps back in the Midwest, mm. and so I remember. Roy coming back and preaching. So a unique man for sure. Very much so. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so uh, my my parents grew up in uh, Lake Stevens area. They both graduated from Lake Stevens. And so both of my grandparents were in Lake Stevens. And my grandpa, my grandfather was working on 
a, an invention, a new kind of boat propulsion system. And so my dad, who was in business, said, well, I'll move up back to Lake Stevens and I'll help you develop this product. And so our whole family moved up from the Eugene area up here. And I was in junior high school. And then my first year of high school is when uh, they kind of lost everything. Things just didn't really work out with the business. And so our families are living with the, the different sets of grandparents. I think at that point, my parents had five boys and we're at different homes. And they, it was a really humbling uh, time for my parents who had been so successful in athletics and then in business to just be at this place where they had lost their home. They're living with their parents. And uh, here I am. I'm a freshman in high school at Lake Stevens High School wearing hand-me-downs and eating top ramen. And then they took us to this church, New Life Center in Everett, the Four Square Church in Everett. And uh, one of my first Sundays there was a, a, a day that I, I rededicated my life to the Lord because I'd really been kind of just sort of pretty hardened over a couple of year period. And, and it was a, a milestone moment in my life. And I got baptized for the first time and very significant um, moment in my life. And uh, it was probably a year after that, that the pastor there, Tom Ferguson, invited my dad to come and serve on staff. And that was the entrance point to uh, my dad becoming a, a four square pastor. So I was about 16 at that yeah. time. So did your dad have any kinds of designs on being working in a church or being a, a well, pastor? Well, as a, as a young man, he did. He actually tried to go to Bible college um, right out of he, – he, he did some stuff with Campus Crusade for Christ uh -huh. in college. And then um, uh, he tried to go into the ministry at one point, and he felt – and the Lord said, I didn't call you to ministry. I called you to business. And so, so for 10 years, he was in business. And so ironically, when, uh, when Tom Ferguson invited him to become a, on staff, my dad said, well, no, God's called me to business, not to ministry. And Tom said, well, would, would you at least pray about it? <laughs> and, uh, you know, famous yeah, when, last when words. the pastor says, yeah, pray about it. Uh -huh. That means you're going to get this. He's going to get this done. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was uh, the beginning of, for my dad, uh, about 25 year or 30 year uh, career in vocational ministry as a four square pastor. So you're sitting under the ministry of a very powerful preacher uh, a, a man of God, Tom Ferguson, and uh, you're in the youth group there. Uh, what was life like for you uh, at that time? Well, I initially after getting baptized, I was really excited. I, I, I'd always felt a calling to missions ever since I was a little kid. And, and so, uh, in just praying about it and talking to my parents, um, I ended up taking a year off of high school, my sophomore year. And I went down to Guatemala and worked in an orphanage and did uh, my school through correspondence. There was no internet back then. So I was doing my work and then mailing it to, uh, a Christian school back in Chicago, I think to grade my papers. And so that was my sophomore year of high school was on the mission field. But uh, it was also that's pretty progressive for it, your mom and dad. I mean, really, much. you think about that? That huge. Oh, I have I have four kids now, and I can't imagine sending one of my teenage daughters down <laughs> down in their sophomore year for an entire year to work yeah. in an orphanage. But yeah, my parents were uh, yeah they were they were homeschooling before it was cool back in in the eighties. Uh -huh. So yeah, uh -huh. yeah, yeah, they're very much they're very avant garde in that way. Yeah, yeah. So you, you're in Guatemala. So was that a, a formative experience for you? 
It it was, but it it was it formative mainly in a challenging way. It was really my first taste of experiencing some hypocrisy in in leadership. It was a a place that was doing amazing things, uh, ministering to the poor, um, and also there was a large church that was associated with the the ministry that I was working with, and and I experienced seeing some pretty blatant some of the seedy underbelly. Of that just because people are are pastors or worship leaders or are up on a stage or have their name in lights that doesn't um, it doesn't mean that there isn't some serious struggles and addictions and things going on and so it was, I witnessed some things and I didn't really have uh, a place to process it I didn't have I wasn't I wasn't in a place where there was people that could really disciple me and help me deal with my disappointment. Mm-hmm. And so, in effect, I went down to Guatemala, very uh, full of idealized passion for Jesus, and I came back very defeated and bitter and angry at the Lord, at the church, and you know, ironically, kind of disillusioned, very much so. And so, I mean, ironically, my dad's a pastor, uh, an assistant pastor, at that point. But uh, so I spent the last two years of high school sitting in the balcony at church with my arms folded looking down at and just kind of checking it out. And looking down is a great way to say it, isn't it? You were really looking down at it. Very, very much so. Although, you know what, I have to say, even in my, even in that season, that couple year season of disillusionment and bitterness, I always, um, you know, I, I lived with my parents. And so I kind of saw the behind the scenes with them. So I always knew like they were the real deal. So I didn't really... I knew that, and I was, I was pretty sure that, you know, Pastor Tom Ferguson, the senior pastor, and my dad, like, I knew them well enough to know that they were legit. Right. So even though I was angry at God and the church, I was still listening. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that was probably okay with God. He, he, was, he was patient enough to know that Aaron's still there, still listening. Very much so, yeah. <laughs> And that's really part of the faithfulness of God in our lives, isn't it? That, yeah. That uh, he's... He knows the end from the beginning, yep. and he will uh, do his good work in his good seasons. So what happens next? After a couple of years, you graduate high school, you have designs on what? I was really kind of floundering at, at that point, and my, my parents pulled a very sneaky move, and, and they uh, invited over to dinner uh, a young man who was going to uh, Life Bible College at the time. They now call it Life Pacific, the four-square flagship Bible college in Los Angeles, and and uh, he was a very charismatic young man. And so they invited him over for dinner just to let him share his stories of what going to Bible college was like. And I was a a, a senior in high school who was sort of kind of just wondering what was next. And, uh, you know, and this guy's all excited. Hey, you should come down and, and it's right next to the beach. <laughs> I'm like, next to the beach, right. So I'm thinking, I've let's been there. see, yeah, 1,200 miles away from home next to the beach. Um, I like that. Yeah. yeah. Sign me up for one year. You're right. So that one so off year you go got to, my, off you go to Southern California. So one year got my foot in the door and then uh, one year became two years. And it was really in that second year that I kind of had a, a really big surrender moment. And some of the, I'd say the dam broke, the, mm. the things that I'd been holding on to and the disillusionment and, and bitterness really surrendered to the Lord. And, and, uh, I remember having a conversation where I just, it was in a class called international evangelism with professor John Amstutz. And, uh, in that class I said, okay, Lord, I'm in, 
It's, it's about your kingdom. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go for the rest of my life. I just don't want to be one of those guys up on a stage, you know, one of those preacher guys telling people what to do. But anything else, <laughs> I'm in. Right, right. <laughs> so I think God sort of took me at my word. They're like, all right, we'll take you there. That's right. That's right. The irony of all of that, yeah. you know. And so graduate from life. Graduated from life with a, a, a degree, a cross-cultural a cross emphasis. So I was really looking at the mission field. and But really, um, the offers that I had were as uh, I had three youth pastor offers. And one of them was with my dad back in Marysville, Washington. And I, as I prayed about it, I really felt like the Lord said, you need to go and learn some leadership lessons before you're safe for anything else. So I went in uh, what I thought was going to be, you know, maybe two years working as a youth pastor with my dad turned into 13 and getting married and having four children. And, uh, I learned along the way that what God is, is looking for is obedient servants, not volunteers. Mm, that's right. That's right. So how did you meet your wife? Well, I met her actually in line for pictures, my junior year at Lake Stevens high school, right? When I came off from Guatemala, my first day at Lake Stevens, I felt a little tap on my shoulder in line for pictures, and I turned around, and there was this uh, cute little blonde girl there who'd been going all the way through kindergarten there, knew everybody there, and she she really, as the story unfolds, it was a pity tap, because we I was a very small uh, kid, even though I was 17, I was the same size as her, and she said, I just had this scared look on my face. And so she was, she was not a believer. She was very much into, uh, she was seeking spiritual power. She was um, investigating the occult and astral projection and different things. And we actually sat next to each other in English class and she would share her stories with me. And, and at the time I was a pretty embittered Christian, although mm -hmm. she just knew there was something unique about me and she couldn't put her finger on it. I don't think I ever told her I was a Christian. Right. But she just, I mean, she knew I was doing mission work, but there was just something different in me that was intriguing to her. And we weren't romantic at all. Um, she was considerably out of my league. <laughs> <laughs> right. And you knew it. And I knew it. <laughs> yeah. I knew it. But uh, I appreciated the pity friendship and took it for what it is. And right. She's right. still giving me that pity friendship uh, 30 <laughs> years later. But uh, she ended up giving her life to Jesus and getting baptized at New Life Center. And my dad was uh, one of the pastors doing the baptism service. And he happened to recognize her from our graduation and said, Aaron, I think uh, somebody that you graduated with just got baptized. So we got reacquainted then. So you didn't know that she'd gotten saved? No, not immediately, no. No, well, I was down in Los Angeles going to Bible college. Got it. Okay. But when I, I'd come home and uh, and we got reacquainted at the young adults group there, and okay, that uh, Pastor Jim Romack was the college age pastor then. Who's yeah. Now the senior pastor at New Life. Interesting. So Jim, if you're out there, thank you. <laughs> That's right. You got <laughs> you you found Aaron a bride. <laughs> So you meet her, you get married eventually after how many years? We got married uh, um, about uh, a year and a half after she started helping me in in the youth group. I when I first invited her, she I was I needed to have some youth leaders and and uh, she was the only young lady around I knew that was a Christian, so I invited her to come to help me and she said, "Well, I I I teach ballet on Wednesday nights, so I can't help you." 
And I said, oh, doggone it. Yeah. Well, wouldn't you know it? The next Wednesday, she broke her toe Aww. in ballet. <laughs> and so two weeks later, she came limping with a walking boot to start helping me in the youth group. And I said, you know, you really should just say yes the first time. It yeah, goes so yeah, much easier exactly, for you. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so... You're with your dad for how many years then as the uh, youth pastor? I I served with him in in a lot of roles, uh, church janitor, secretary, uh, school principal, um, high school pastor, worship leader, um, but uh, for 13 years total in in various various roles. Yeah. So tell me about then the move towards being a senior pastor. What What was the Lord telling you at that time? Well... I never really felt the call to be a, a senior pastor, and and I would say, for for us, for me and my wife, the road really was not an easy road. Um, when we'd been married for, I'd say the first seven years of our our marriage, there was a lot of idealism, like there is in in most people, uh, younger people, that are full of passion for for one another. Uh, we had passion for the Lord. Um, and we loved our children and doing our best, but we but there were some tools that we just didn't have uh, uh, relationally, and and so um, all of the all of the dysfunction that she brought in from her life and family, and all the dysfunction that I brought in from my life and family, even though I had wonderful parents that that loved the Lord, there was still there's there's things that were just and every family has their own patterns of that affect communication, that affect um, our ability to give and receive love. And, and sometimes within, um, within church settings, Christian or religious settings, those things can be tougher to identify because they, they can have They're masked. Yeah. They, they can have yeah. scriptures that, that bandage over them or um, spiritual sounding language that can make it that much more difficult mm-hmm. um, in order to identify that, that a behavior or a pattern is actually really unhealthy or destructive. And so really seven years into our marriage, uh, we were not real happy together. And, and my wife was really, really led the way with starting to pursue some inner healing with opening up to the presence of the Lord in within counseling within small groups. Um, uh, as I was sharing with you earlier before on, on the air that my wife for six years, uh, was in outside sales and would listen to eight twenty um, all day long. And for her, it was so significant in particular, the new life live, um, which at that time was like 12 to two, I think. And, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, she, she said every day she'd plan her lunch around that and she would just get her lunch and sit in the car and cry. And she was processing um, not only our present pain from from um, our issues, but also her past pain. And and as she began to do that over uh, about a, a year, I began to watch just some changes in her. And then and then that really started to open me up. And uh, eventually, I started going to counseling myself with some of her insistence as she got less <laughs> they have a way of doing that don't they <laughs> as she got less codependent she was able to draw some firm boundaries uh-huh. in, in our life well you know there are a lot of uh, christians who are very adverse to counseling or they don't understand the process or the need or for even a pastor to say hey i, I need to get some counseling on this many see it as a weakness the reality is i see it as a strength 
that yeah. you you recognize that as you just said earlier there are patterns of behavior that have been ingrained in your life that have happened to all of us uh, that need to be identified. And oftentimes that needs to be a third person, a third mm-hmm. party, to be able to help identify that in a relationship. Now, I, I believe that's a part of God's plan. That's the body That's the body of Christ. At, at the time, my uh, theology didn't allow for that either. I was very anti-counseling. I just, I believed in a Jehovah Zappa, just come up and he's going to touch <laughs> you and you'll, you'll never be the same. Which I do believe God does do that. Mm-hmm. However, his normative process for people, the sanctification process, is that he works out our pain in relationship. It's in relationship that we get wounded in the first place, and it's in relationship that he works those things out. And so as we, if we're resistant to coming into Christ-centered relationships, we're really resisting him. Because there's a point where he meets us as we open up our hearts and lives and, and bring the real aspects of our lives. And whether that's a counselor, whether that's uh, deep friendships, I believe that there's power that really both are necessary. We need to have those one-on-one counseling, mentoring, coaching type relationships, but also some small group level places of where we can have brothers and sisters around us to process our pain together. Well, so out of that then experience that processing that you went through, how did that then morph into you becoming senior pastor? And we've got about three minutes. As we went through uh, healing together, I actually stepped away from ministry and went uh, to to a new life center for a couple of years. And I was running a Christian school. And then I just, um, the itch came back after a couple of years. And in, just in processing with uh, leaders over me, and as I began to pray, God really began to birth uh, some passion in me, and it really came out of my our, my wife and I's experience of going through healing together, and just really having a passion for people that people would be able to find Jesus and have some have church community that was safe to be real, places where people can really bring their real issues into real community community and really grow in their relationship together, which is why the the church we have today here, Marysville Foursquare. Our, our mission is growing in Jesus together because we believe that God wants to meet people in relationship. And so that's why some of the things that we're really passionate about here are Celebrate Recovery Program that we do every Wednesday at 7 o'clock. And we have people that come from all over our, our county and just experience dealing with life's uh, hurts and habits and hangups, which we all have, and just coming into bringing those into safe places. And that's why we're really excited to be launching our, our MOPS program this uh, September and it would ha- be a place where women can come that are, are feeling isolated and stuck and have a place to come and be vulnerable and bring their lives into community and that Jesus will meet him in those places. We're speaking with Pastor Aaron Thompson. He's the senior pastor at Marysville Foursquare Church. Aaron, we've got about one minute left. Just give us a word of encouragement as we're wrapping up today. Well, I, I would just say that it's it's so important as we live in a time when we see church attendance declining in our, our culture in some ways in some spiritual malaise. When, when the world looks at the church, they want to see something that's real and authentic. And so I, I believe that in the days we're living, God's doing a, a move in our churches where where pastors and leaders are becoming more authentic. They're taking the mask down. They're talking about their pain, dealing with real-life issues. And I, I don't believe that God is done with the church yet in America. But let's be a people that bring our real issues into real relationship with Jesus and one another. 
Well, Aaron Thompson, thank you so much. If you want to learn more about Marysville Foursquare Church, the website is the letter M, M4, the number 4, church.com. That's M4church.com. Aaron Thompson, thank you for joining me today on Heart of the City. Thank you so much, Chuck. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to this 820 AM, the word special, Heart of the City. For more information on how your pastor or your ministry can be featured on 820 AM, the word, call Chuck Olmstead, 206-269-6216, or go to thewordseattle.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.